podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Podcasting to you for the penultimate time this season. From the field here in beautiful rural Ireland, I'm Trev Downey, and this is Malby on the spot, your weekly chance. Thanks to Anfield Index Pro to hear the wit and wisdom of Liverpool and Denmark legend Jan Malby as we talk about all things Liverpool Football Club and oh how many things there are to talk about. So let's begin it once again. Good evening, Jan. Good evening, Trevor. I hope you're well. I'm very well, man. And the first thing we should do is take our hat off to the mystic Meg that is Jan Mulby, because not only did you call the result, but you called the nature of it. You fancied a shootout, man. You said it. It panned out. And there's another trophy in the press, as predicted. This is getting kind of scary, I have to say. The uh, the predictions this season have been off the charts accurate. Uh, that one was right down exactly as you called it. Did the game itself, and of course I'm talking about the FA Cup final in case there's any doubt about that, did the game itself against Chelsea uh, surprise you in any way in the way that it panned out just overall before we start delving into some specific aspects of it? Yeah, it did a little bit. Uh, the first 20 minutes mainly uh, where we were so dominant, it was unreal. Uh, and I do generally feel had we scored in that period, it could have been 3 or 4-0. Uh but obviously, with, with, with us not scoring and they gained some confidence and they came back into the game. And then after the sort of first 20, 25 minutes, also what surprised me slightly was that how dominant Liverpool were one minute. And then it was Chelsea. And then it was back to Liverpool. You kind of didn't know where the game uh, was going. And then I sort of felt after 60, 65 minutes that, you know, both teams had tried to win it and hadn't. And then I think the clock played a part because nobody then wanted to lose it. Uh, and then it was, it was almost like, it was almost like a safe bet, but then it was going to go all the way, you know. And then, of course, we had that whole story with the penalties again, isn't it? And it was, I have to be honest, Trevor, I'm fortunate in what I do. I get to a lot of games, uh, and I get to a lot of non Liverpool games as well. But, you know, a Saturday afternoon in Wembley, FA Cup, from the moment, from the moment I sort of got into London and, you got carried away with the atmosphere. It, it, it is a great day, Trevor. I don't care what anyone says. It, it, it was just a terrific day. It was a long day. Uh, luckily, we managed to get back to the pub and had a few pints before it was bedtime, isn't it? But it was, it was a terrific day. I have to say, I'm so happy for a new generation of Reds. Um, you know, I'm talking even post the 2012 final where that was the most recent one. Again, Chelsea with the opposition and in Kenny's season there where we could have had a cup double there as well. And 
part of me thinks it was just the Kenny magic that got that team to the final, really, um, if I'm being perfectly honest. I mean, there were a couple of great players still knocking around, don't get me wrong. But, you know, it, it just had a funny feel to it, that, that era. We were hoping for things to be a little bit different than they were. But there, there's a whole new generation of fans, Jan, who experience exactly what you're talking about there. Uh, Wembley, Big Day. Some of them will have had it for the semi, but it's not quite the same. But you, you, you remember you saying yourself, you got that kind of sniff of what Wembley was uh, in the past again. And it's so nice. So it's so uh, heartening that there's, like I say, a, a whole generation of fans who got to experience that. And I'm, I'm absolutely positive. I know some personally, uh, there were people who were around the place with the atmosphere, just like there will be in Paris um in the various pubs and bars and watching on screens and stuff like that just to be with the crowd um that i have no doubt of but the crew who actually got into the ground on the day um begged borrowed stole paid way over the odds no doubt and an awful lot of them for the ticket um it's an it's it's such a part of my liverpool uh supporting youth uh that it it, it's it's heartening to think of a new generation uh, being able to do it, and the reason we can do it, Jan, and we have to be we have to be honest about this, is Klopp was cynical about the cups when he had to be cynical about the cups. Now he he doesn't have to be quite so cynical because the squad depth is there, and it really is as simple as that. I want to spend a good lot of time on this show talking to you about the squad and um, how it might pan out over the summer and who stays and who goes in your in your opinion, but it really is as simple as. The personnel are now good enough, deep enough in the depth chart that people like talking about, that we can really have a right go. And I think Taki Minamino is the embodiment of a Divock too. That's why, isn't it? It's as simple as that, man. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, but, but, but I think it is important that a new generation of fans understands the joy, you know, the joy of being part of anything at Wembley, isn't it? I mean, football just, at Wembley just reads football, doesn't it? You know, and it, and it reads big occasions, isn't it? You know, and we've been there. Uh, twice. I mean, there's many different ways you can go to Wembley. Uh, you can go there and it was a bit of a fluke. He gets in the final. You don't really have a chance. You can go there having a real chance, isn't it? We've been fortunate enough to go there twice this season. Been favoured in both of them, isn't it? But it's but it just, yeah. Squad depth is one thing and he allows you to play strong teams in, 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 in all four competitions. Uh, and this is the outcome, isn't it? And I, I think Liverpool fans have now got to say something on, you know, what we've been told matters Premier League and, and Champions League. There's other things that are that are great too. The unfortunate thing with those is that you have to go quite deep in those tournaments before before you get that kind of feel. Uh, but yeah, I mean, not so much Liverpool fans prior to the game, but Liverpool fans after the game, as we were leaving Wembley, you know, just absolutely delighted, isn't it? You know, so and it's so much easier to get to, isn't it? You know, it's uh, so it was a as I said before, Trevor, and I generally mean that because there's always a lot of People saying, "Oh, this was great. This was great," and it isn't always. But I thought it was it was it was great. You know, I mean, I'm I'm not over emotional, but I really enjoyed. It. I thought it was a terrific day. Yeah, it seemed to be quite a special atmosphere, and 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 what was lovely about it was, as predicted, the majority in there were Reds. Of course, that's always how it goes for Liverpool. It'll happen again in Paris, unless. Uh, whoever is holding the vast majority of the tickets that corporate crowd, the crowds have got them have filtered them to a lot of soulless uh, sort of uh, um, um, corporate types. Hopefully, most of those tickets will make their way uh, into the hands of, of, of real supporters. And you can imagine 
it, I'd be very surprised if it was not a majority of Liverpool again. That's just what the club has always done, what the people in the club have always done. And they've done it, Jan, back in the day, back in the 80s, when you know most people didn't have a pot to piss in, if we're being honest. Um, fellas would find a way to bunk onto a train or uh, get on a ferry and save, beg, borrow, steal, whatever they had to do to get a ticket. Uh, that's how it used to go for the Reds in Europe uh, and even for away days, uh, for big finals in Wembley. We got there. Our fans got there one way or the other. I mean, there's those hair-raising images. I think it's from, it is actually from the 85-86 final where, I mean, you kind of stole the show uh, of the fans uh, sort of swinging from one lofty perch to the other, like sort of like something you'd see in a Sylvester Stallone action movie, you know, sort of swinging one handed uh, and being caught by another lad and hauled up into a little space. Uh, I'm not recommending anybody does that, but it shows you the determination that has always been there in the Scouts fan. Do you know what it was like in those days, Trevor? What's that? There was a lot of hitchhikers in those days. You remember that? I don't know if you're quite old enough to remember that. Oh, there was a yeah, lot of, of hitchhikers, course. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's how it travelled mostly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, not so much anymore, but back in the day, there was a lot of hitchhikers. And the amount of Liverpool fans I've spoke to over the years who just picked out a random fan of the beans and then you, and you go, how did you get there? Oh, you know, at the end of the M62 by the rocket. I just parked myself up there with a with a with a with a box of sandwich and up went the thumb. Uh, you know, twenty minutes later, somebody's picked us up and said, "Where are you going?" I'm going to Wembley, and away we went. You know, and it's, 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 it's just it, it, it is amazing, isn't it? You know what I mean? So, but yeah, they've always gone way beyond, haven't they? I mean, I was at Southampton on Tuesday, and I got there quite early, and I bumped into three Liverpool fans, one which I knew, and I went. How do you do this financially? When I'm being honest, and he said, "I'm skint." He said, "He said, but I can't let go." He said, "You know, I've been to all games this year, and I can't let go." There's a couple left, and he said, "I'm going to be at all of them." He said, "But I have to be honest." He said, "I am absolutely on the bones of my ass." You know what I mean? But still, it's in his blood, isn't it? Uh, and, and 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 he wants to go, and, and he will be obviously at the Wolves game, and he will be in Paris. That's just the way it goes. <laughs> He's just the way it goes, and long may it continue. And those are the kind of special people who, who really add to the atmosphere and, 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 and to the generally fantastic reputation that the Liverpool fans have, uh, as they travel. And there's an awful lot of talk, you know, um, domestically about, um, various clubs. And we've, we've seen a, a real heightening of, I think, the, the sort of, uh, taking sides nonsense and, and sniping at each other. And, and it's maybe re- more reflection of the times that are in it. But what's interesting, Jan, is to just focus always on the games and on our players and all that type of thing and not pay too much attention to the chatter because you never really know what you're getting there, uh, who's who's driving it. So it's always more interesting to look at the game itself. And you had fancied that we'd probably have enough to get past Chelsea, that Chelsea mightn't just quite be um, at it given the situation they were in, but that they'd probably have enough to take it to extra time and probably penalties. And... Um, so it proved, and over the course of the game, I think you could say that on a different day, with some better finishing from the likes of Pulisic and um, and their centre forward Lukaku, they might have had uh, a lead. 
or they might have sneaked a win. But you'd have to say also, I mean, I think we hit Woodwork twice and with that massively dominant opening, we finished the game very well. Like you say, the the extra time was a bit of a non-entity. Um, I don't know that it was that cynical that people were settling for it, but then some some of the things that were happening would make you think that. Is that is that the feel you got as you were sitting there in the ground going, yeah, the, the, nobody here is taking a chance. It's all down to the lottery of the penalties in the end. And by the way, remind me to go back to that phrase of the lottery of the penalties. So they do need to chat to you about it. Is that, is that, is that how it felt as, as extra time was, was, was being played out in Wembley? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I don't have a great deal of problems with the laws of the game and, and the way that the game is played. The only problem I really have is with extra time. I think 15 minutes twice is a waste of time. We go to yeah. time, we play 15 minutes, and then we go for into penalty shootout. Give them a chance. If any of the teams in extra time wants to try and win the game, give them 15 minutes to try and get the job done. Liverpool Chelsea wasn't so bad. I don't know if you remember a couple of weeks earlier when we had Real Madrid Chelsea. Uh, oh, sorry, Real Madrid Manchester City. Extra time in, in the semi final. It was just a waste of time. And I even thought last night, Rangers. Uh, against Lionel Frank was a little bit of a waste of time. So let's go check the time. Let's play 15 minutes and let's get into the penalties. Plus also, of course, you, you probably pick up less injuries and the players that's going to take the penalties have got 15 minutes less in, in their legs, isn't it? So, you know, when I said this on Saturday, you know, people go, they should all be able to score. I said, well, listen, I said, most of them are not penalty takers. On top of that, they played 120 minutes. I said, so no wonder that every now and again, I mean, what was it, 36 penalties in two finals between these two clubs? And I think, was three missed was or was saved or whatever. Yeah. I think that, I think that's really good though. It's outrageous. And this is what brings me around to that idea. Cause I've, I've heard an awful lot of people talking about, it. oh, it's, it's one of those commentators favorites, you know, um, you know, that's one of my hobby horses to shy people talking television and whether they're um, doing the commentary or whether they're uh, there in their capacity as ex pros to, to give a bit of color or a bit of insight or whatever it happens to be. There's an awful lot of guff gets talked. And one of the most common phrases is that penalties are a bit of a lottery. And look, I read a really interesting article during the week. Um, actually, it was just yesterday about um, some of the things that Liverpool have been doing in terms of using as much data collection as possible um, um, and, 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 and basically using artificial intelligence to predict uh, when lads might need a rest, when lads are going to be tired, all that kind of thing. Just crunching the numbers constantly in a really, really innovative way that's new that most teams aren't doing. Um, the men's team's doing it, the women's team's doing it, the, some of the underage kids are going to be doing it next year as well. I think we've taken these guys on for another year or two in terms of a contract. Those things absolutely make a difference. But the work that's done with the lads psychologically as well, I mean, in your day, in my day, if anyone suggested such a thing, they'd be laughed out of the fucking room. You know, what? What? A shr- like a shrink? Is that what you mean? Uh, you know, nobody wants to hear about that. But people are a little bit more open to it, to say the least, these days. And, 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 and our manager talks openly about it and about the little marginal gains that we've got. And he spoke afterwards about the work that the, 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 the group had done with them around the mentality of penalties. So immediately, it's not a fucking lottery immediately we've done work on this to improve it. And like you said, how can you go through two finals? What was one was 11-10, wasn't it? 
Yeah, the, other yeah. one, the other one was like like you say, it's just a penalty fucking missed, just or two penalties missed, or whatever it was, three in this one. It's 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 uh it's not about luck, is is what I'm trying to get at here. Now we've spoken to you, the show takes its name from your prowess from the penalty spot. We've spoken to you about this subject on many, many occasions. And I've often thought that maybe you would play down a little bit again from a modest p- point of view the mentality of it but one thing you've always said is that you know you kind of you, you always felt you were going to score and whatever some people can have that naturally but there's a load of lads you just spoke about it there's a load of lads in that team and especially in the in the carabao cup who've never taken a fucking penalty in a pressurized situation like that um but they've done, obviously done a lot of practice and they've had a little bit of work about how to approach and how to get their breathing right where to focus what to do and maybe those things make a difference when you're dealing with some lads who don't have the natural mentality you have. What do you reckon about that, about the idea of advances like that, even if they're minute, helping us a little bit and taking advantage of that? But, but, but all those things, Trevor, are minute, aren't they? Uh, you know, a lot of things that Liverpool do are minute, and, and a lot of them get laughed out of town the, the moment they get made public. I mean, we go back to the, to the uh, throw-in coach, and people go, what do you need to throw in coach or blah, blah, blah. But, but if you look at the impact of, of just a throw in coach, the way that we deal with throw ins for and against them, whatever. And the same thing with penalties, isn't it? I always think the big thing with penalties is, is to be in control. You know, you as the taker to be in control, you know what I mean? Get your hands on the ball and be in control of the situation. And I think we do well. And I think they're kind of some of the things that, that, that we have introducing and, and teaching the players is to be in control of that situation, isn't it? You know what I mean? Don't let the don't let the goalkeeper be the main guy. The taker is always the main guy because you're in charge. This this is my show, yeah. I decide when I put it on the spot. I decide when I run. I decide where I kick it. So give that impression that you're in charge. Don't allow anything or anyone else to get the impression that they're in charge because it's your show, isn't it? Uh, so one thing I noticed there at Wembley on Saturday is that, and I'm not sure it was all of them, Trevor, but. Our goalkeeper, Allison, handed the ball to the majority of our penalty. I don't know whether it was all of them, uh, but obviously he faced a penalty and had gone into the net or whatever, and he then picked up the ball and then went to the spot and handed over the ball to one of our players. So that's making sure that the, the most important thing, which is the ball, we're in control of the ball. You know, so we, we now decide the time scale. When do we do what we want to do? Isn't it? I mean, so I yeah. All them things, and of course the breeding or whatever. But, I mean, back in our day, they didn't believe in trends. But today, there's trends, isn't it? So you can go. It's important what end you take penalties in front of your fans at the of Chelsea's fans. It's important whether you go first or second. But all them things back in the day, my day, they would have gone. Ah, that's all a load of bollocks, isn't it? And put it on the spot and put it in the back of the net, isn't it? That's all very good. And I, I don't want to sound. That's all very good if I'm taking eleven penalties because I can yeah. deal with that. Yeah. But most of the people can't, you know. And they're the ones you need to look after, isn't it? And I think that's what we do so well. So, yeah, it's, it is. I mean, penalties were never a lottery. I don't know. Where, whoever, whoever ever coined that phrase, I don't know. It's never been a, a lottery, has it? You know what I mean? It's, it's part of what, what we do, isn't it? So, yeah, we, we do it well. We do all those little things really well. And it gives us another 2 or 3%, isn't it? You know, and that's that's why when we get to, I mean, I saw somebody in the week write a piece about margins, you know, games are won by smaller and smaller margins or whatever, isn't it? You know what I mean? And, and, and if that is the case, then we're coming out 
on the right side of those margins a lot, aren't we? And that, that can't be a coincidence. In some ways, nothing has changed because I was just talking about the training you guys used to do by comparison with what some other clubs were doing at the time and um, the repeated practice of doing things right in game situations. That gives you a marginal advantage as well when you're actually in the freaking game. And I don't, I wouldn't bout anybody on that. You know, it wasn't an accident that Liverpool won. It was a, a, a combination of having great players uh, with a great uh, philosophy of how to play the game and doing things right on a daily basis. But uh, Guy, for 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 the record, uh, on post match raw reckoned. Alice was saying a little prayer over that ball each time. <laughs> we know, we know he's a famously holy man. So maybe that's, maybe that's another little marginal game we had. What do you think about people who, and we've seen a lot of this during the week, because everybody's absolutely pissing chips at the moment, aren't they, Jan? I mean, they're just like all, all the little narcs are coming out of the woodwork. And I've seen a few people trying to deride the, uh, two cup final wins in terms of, the fact that both of them went to penalties. Does it in any way belittle it for you as a victory? I mean, if we're going to lean into what we've both been saying there, we win the final skill test. Uh, so therefore it doesn't, in my opinion, belittle it at all. How, how do you feel about that when people try to say that? No, I don't. I, I don't at all. I mean, the only thing I will say, and again, I don't have any proof to, to, to sort of back this up, but maybe there is in some of these big games today, maybe they don't go flat out for 90 minutes to try and win the game. Hence the reason I'm getting a lot more draws and we're going to extra time and penalty shootouts, isn't it? But that's just the way that the, that the game is involved. Uh, you know, I guess back in our day in cup finals, there might have been more late winners and late goals than there is today, isn't it? Uh, but, but, but today you just get a feeling that because football has, has, has gone into a different stratosphere, uh, so everything you can kind of pick up. You know, back in our day, there would be teams at Wembley for a bit of a day out, isn't it? You know what I mean? Often now, let's take Rangers for, the, for an example who lost against Isaac Frankfurt in the Europa League. What impact do you think will have on them, Trevor? Because had they won that competition, they would have been in the Champions League and they would have ex- access to between 30 and 60 million pounds playing in Scotland. That would have blown everybody else away, isn't it? So it's kind of everything to do with the financial side of it, which has nothing to do with sport, but it has everything to do with sport. It's just so much, it's never been so important. Hence the reason that. You can't always go to Wembley and play your chance. You know, sometimes you have to play the sort of occasion. I'm not, I don't mean the FA Cup occasion, but the benefits of winning a trophy and being able to move on to another competition is because, you know, if you got no money, you ain't going nowhere. So I guess there's less and less teams qualifying for finals, seeing it as a bit of a day out and let's see if we can win it. They go there knowing winning this competition changes everything. Yeah. That's how important it is. That's a really good point. I would have been absolutely transformative for Rangers. There's no two ways about it. Yeah, that's it's uh, like it really does come down to, to 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 something that simple. Um, being part of that competition is just like I say, it's just transformative, and we're lucky that our club has been there and part of it, and we'll have a focus. But, but Trevor, Trevor, the same thing when we happened, when we got back in the top four and we got back into the Champions League. That's when thing really started to move, wasn't it? Yes, of course. You, you know, yeah. you know, you know. All of a sudden, we got okay, and, and the club felt. We're not here for one season. We're going to be here for a number of years, yeah. So you start making investment, you start moving forward, isn't it? Yeah, and and and, and no better team uh, in the continent over the last um, um, few seasons. If you do the sums, I would imagine. Um, 
there's a, an argument to be made that there's not been no better team in the Premier League this season uh, than us. If you do the sums on all the big important things as well, um, people say the table never lies. I heard Dave talking today on his show about how sometimes it does. That's quite interesting. He went through all the various metrics and Liverpool are basically best in all of them. Um, you know, goals scored and, 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 and wins and, and, and the amount, the, the small, smallest amounts of losses and all the rest of those things that you would normally associate. But there was a period of time where City were just consistently racking up those wins and we were getting a few draws in that first half of the season. And ultimately, if, Things don't go right on Sunday. That's going to be what will bite us in the arse and, 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 and so be it. But, you know, you have to be damn near perfect now to compete with the old um, the old uh, money men over there. Uh, and that's just how it goes. Uh, but, you know, we talked earlier on, Jan, about how we were able to compete for these two uh, domestic cups this season and win them. Um, because of the squad depth that we have, which is a comparatively new thing. We've always had... We've been expanding under Klopp. It's an absolute revelation for for, for new fans uh, or fans who are comparatively new to go back and have a look at the first team that Klopp uh, had to put out against Spurs. I think it was a 2-2 draw in his first game. Um, It would kind of put the hair stand on on the back of your neck. It's, 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 It's mad, the transformation in playing staff and also um, in status and stature over this short period of time. And an awful lot of that now is starting to show in the squad and the depth of it, the, the strength of our players. So when you think about that, you have to apply that to the most recent Liverpool win to move away from the cup final and not, not, not you know, we, we can talk about it as much as we like, but that win last night was quite remarkable or the night before, whenever it was, I'm losing track of time here. Um, that that win last night was a hard-fought win with nine changes, uh, relying on a Joel Matip um, unusual header. But it was a game in which we dominated. Taki Minamino scores uh, to level things up for us uh, against Southampton. But we absolutely played Southampton off the park. And I think they had one shot in the first half, which was the deflection that went in. Uh, there's not much you can do about things like that. And I think Ali had the actual shot itself covered. And Nathan Redman did pretty much the same thing in the second half towards the end of it. It was a little bit worrying. Um, but we really limited them, Jan. And we limited them and we dominated them by playing the football we've seen our, our players, our first team play all season, or at least attempting to, and, and doing quite successfully. I mean, that, that, if, if, if there was ever a statement of how far we've come, I felt it was actually that, even more than the cup final. It was like, you know, all these changes, if it, if it had gone against us, it would have been arrogant Klopp uh, pr- uh, prioritizes Champions League and throws away league challenge, blah, blah, blah. You know exactly it would have been all that bullshit. But no, he, he trusted these lads. And yet again, this season, they did the job. And, and that's the best appraisal of where we're at as a club I think that that victory which kept us in it right till the last day I think you know I think City are capable of making nine changes but I don't think they're capable of when they make nine changes I think they're capable of playing as well as we did on Tuesday yeah. and I think that again is, is a testimony to, to, to Klopp and the way that the team is coached in that doesn't matter who plays this is the way we play isn't it and I thought before the game it might take 10 minutes before we get our rhythm. 
before we find our sort of book right from the whistle go bang we were there in all the right positions yeah of course we lacked a little bit we lack a little bit that that Diaz gives us or Mane or Salah whatever we lacked that little bit is but in terms of of dominating the mats in terms of it's one of those games that had Liverpool played in green and you had to guess who that was you could have said that's Liverpool that because we played like Liverpool play even with nine changes so that in itself was impressive I expected there to be changes after Wembley and everything else with the injuries and whatever. I didn't quite expect nine, but it made a lot of sense. And if you look at the injuries we've got and we had five outfield players who played 120 minutes and blah, blah, whatever. So it was almost the best he had available of the players he was prepared to risk, you know. But it, yeah, it, it, it worked an absolute uh, absolute treat. And 2-1, and I think even Southampton knew that 2-1, they got away with one. They were quite happy for it just to finish 2-1, you know, because there's, there's a little bit of unrest down there. They're not particularly happy with the last few months of the season, so they were quite happy just to lose 2-1. Looked like they were in it when, in reality, they were never in it, you know. So, yeah, it is very impressive when you can make as many changes as that and not just win the game, but be able to, to sort of come away saying, that was Liverpool. That was just Liverpool. That's how Liverpool play, regardless of who plays. You know, just to give them two minutes worth of attention here, it, it, I thought it was weird. I, I thought there was a couple of weird comments by Ralph Hasenhutl in the in the uh, lead up to it, chatting about how it was their Champions League final and all the rest of it. Uh, <laughs> and you know, as you say, there seemed to be a level of disgruntlement. I mean, it didn't take the fans long to be on their back, and they remained kind of on their back throughout the game, which I thought was a bit weird. But at the same time, you know, you can kind of understand it. And I wonder, and I, I was I was speaking to the lads on post match raw about this. I wonder what it is that has gone wrong there. I mean, is it just that perhaps their investments didn't work out? And I mean, can we be extra harsh on Southampton when you think of all the money they've had off us over the years, and you know they have been this uh, kind of prototypical uh, sell to buy club. Surely they should be doing a little bit better. I mean, they, they've got the selling part down, but their their recruitment seems to be a bit patchy, to say the least. I mean, Taki Minamino is probably the most successful person they brought in. Uh, if you look at what he was able to do in the wee time he was there, and, and it was nice to see him being welcomed back. What, what do you put it down to there? Or, because I'll tell you, just to sum it up, Dan, I find it very hard to see what it is a Ralph Hassan-Hoodle team does. and I, I don't really get it. I, I don't see a, a consistent pattern. Well... I think I think the, the first thing you notice is that there isn't many recognised Premier League players in that team. If if I ask you now off the top of your head to tell me what their lineup was on on Tuesday, you, you would you you wouldn't be able to tell me most of them because they are relatively new. I mean, Ward Prowse, you mentioned Redmond, you might come across Walker Peters, is there? But in terms of that, and I think that's been their problem. There's a massive turnover of players. Uh, they, they bring him in cheap, hope to do a little bit of magic with him. And I think they've just been caught out a little bit that recruitment hasn't been very good. Um, I actually happen to think that Hasenhutl, for that kind of a challenge, where they don't have any real ambition, they want to remain in the Premier League and they want to keep developing players so they can sell them. I actually think that he's not a bad guy for that job. I think he's quite capable of doing that job. If you want to you know, if you want to sort of slowly go, okay, next year we're going to be a bit more and then we're going to be a bit more, then I don't think he's the right guy. But for, but, but for this kind of project where it doesn't greatly matter if we finish 10th or 14th or whatever, you know I mean? As long as we, we stay up and 
we develop a few players we we, we can sell. I think that's what the uh, dance is all about. Having said all of that, there's a new owner in there, and uh, I'm not convinced that Ralph is as safe in his uh, seat as, as as many might think. Yeah, I think he might have to um, maybe change his look up a bit there and uh, start. Uh, start uh, doing things a little bit differently. I, I'd agree with you. I don't, I don't know how safe he is either. Um, what it means, Jan, is that the league table stands in a very interesting way where we've got, uh, <laughs> excuse me, just a single point <clears throat> between the teams, which means, uh, not that anyone needs to be told this, that if we can win and Villa can get anything, against Manchester City, then remarkably we could win the league. Now, there's a couple of ifs there, and the vast majority of people I'm speaking to reckon that Villa are going to get their arses handed to them by City, and the, the rationale for an awful lot of them is pure pessimism, and I I understand that, I do. It's been, there was a lot of years where lads my age were suffering as Liverpool fans and, and, and some, some lads have never quite and got, gotten over that. So the, there's an, there was a, a bit of a sort of, well, it's not like Villa can do it. Like. But I wonder, <laughs> I wonder is there more to it than that, Jan? As you look ahead to the two games that, that, that are coming up, let's just focus if we can for a second before we look at our team and what, what our task is. And let's focus on the comparative dream of Aston Villa doing something against Manchester City. And one of the things that did sort of strike me, I think I said it to you last week as well, was you get a squad as good as this. Uh, you get a team as uh, used to being dominant and uh, as successful as Manchester City. And if they blow it in the semi-final of the Champions League and they're looking at a barren season, they're going to have just enough to do whatever they need to do to get over the line because that's ultimately what they are as winners. And I I fully accept that. I think that's a perfectly logical, rational position to take. Um, the dreamer position is the one that I've been taking all year, which was laughed at by people when I said, like, like why can't we dream all four things and I still want to maintain that I still want to think there can be a little bit of hope most people like I say think Villa will get their arses kicked Jan. if you do have any hope where do you see it coming from and if you don't explain to me why that's your rationale I do, I do find it difficult to, to, to find a reason that makes me believe that, that Villa can, can get something I mean the first thing with Villa is that they've got nothing to play for as much as we go you know, in our camp, we've certainly got Gerard, possibly Coutinho, possibly Danny Ings. You know, what, what does it mean for them? Uh, I'm, I'm not too sure. City playing Sunday, Sunday, so a week without any games. I think that helps them because I think ever since the Atletico Madrid game, they've been a little bit vulnerable, uh, physically and mentally, and they picked up a few injuries. So I think playing Sunday, Sunday is a massive thing for them. And I also think the second half of West Ham is massive for them. I was at the game, and at half-time, I couldn't see City coming back because of the way they played in the first half. But they found something that makes me believe that what you what you might need to call on sometimes, they still got. You know, if should things go wrong and they go 1-0 down, I still think they got that left in the tank 
to change things up. So I, I yeah. do, I, I do find it, I do find it highly unlikely. You know, although Villa are capable, but nobody in the Premier League are capable at the level that Manchester City and Liverpool play at. And that's what we should remember, isn't it? On, on any given day, Villa away from home shouldn't have a chance against Manchester City. Uh, and they won't if City produce what they're capable of. So I do find it highly unlikely that they're going to slip up. The only good thing, Trevor, is they have to win. You know, that's the only good thing, isn't it? A draw won't be enough. They have to win the game. Yeah. Yeah, and there was a huge amount of people who were all sort of um, very crestfallen that, you know, City got back into that. But for me, it was like, I mean, the, when Mahrez missed that penalty and it went, it, the match finished as a draw, I was like, well, this is exactly what we need. We we needed, because of the goal difference, that's a point. So we needed City to drop points in two games. And it was a fucking impossible dream. And it remains an impossible dream, Jan. And yet the first part of it has been achieved. Nobody would have given um, uh, West Ham much of a chance. I mean, they like they were, they were more likely than, than Aston Villa, but. You know, for the very same reasons we just spoke about, City were obviously going to be heavy favourites. And you said, like, even you felt the game was getting away from them altogether. So the first part's been done. And I'm looking at Villa's results just to kind of give people a little bit of context, because sometimes they don't really have that when we're chatting away here. And the most recent outing for Villa was a one-all draw with Crystal Palace. That was on Sunday. Uh, I think they're playing Burnley today. Uh that's an interesting one. But, you know, before that, they were beaten 2-1 by us. Before that, they had beaten Norwich 2-0. Uh, they had a 0-0 with Leicester. But they got spanked for zip by by Tottenham at their place, at, at, at Aston Villa. And 2-1 by Wolves at Wolves. Um, previously that, Arsenal had beaten them. And previously that, West Ham had beaten them. You have to go all the way back to March the 10th for the, the last win before that, where they managed a 3-0 win away at Leeds. That, to say the least, is a mixed bag. And suppose I find myself wondering, you know, uh, I don't want to be leading this whole Steve Gerrard, uh, Phil Coutinho, uh, Liverpool connection. Um, but if I'm to assess their chances, I thought I was quite impressed by what they were able to do against us in an attacking sense. With the lad up front, he's quite disruptive. Uh, Watkins and, you know, they do have some creative footballers. Coutinho always has a worldly in him. These are the things I'm leaning into as potential things that might be weapons for them. But I suppose where I fear is that I don't think they're good enough defensively. And that's probably where we're going to need City to be crap or Villa to really step up the game. What do you think of that? Yeah, but now you mentioned that they're playing this evening against Burnley. I quickly checked the, the team news and it, it looks like he's looking after us, Gerard, because he's resting Danny Ings and Coutinho. Uh, so they're fully fresh for the game on Sunday. Oh, they're, nice they're, one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you look at that and you kind of put two or two together and you go, so the front three on Sunday will be Holly Watkins and Danny Ings on top and Coutinho in behind. Uh, where I worry about them is, 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 is in midfield. You know how they can establish any kind of play. That will that will uh, cause Manchester City any play. Uh, also, their centre half is out injured. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Tyrone Mings, but I like both fullbacks and I like the goalkeeper. But but they will have to produce something. They'll have to produce something that teams that have nothing to play for very very rarely produce. Uh, yeah, let's hope, yeah, that's it. Yeah, but let's hope let's hope they find the motivation from somewhere. I, you know, I mean, whether that motivation comes from the manager. 
Og i kommet som den plan, hvad tænkte jeg, man vi så Newcastle on Monday night. Uh, also nothing to play for. Uh, but they, they play like a team possessed against Arsenal. Isn't it? So it is quite capable. Of course, that was an omen. This is a way. Uh, but, you know, Trevor, what, what did Jimmy Greaves say? As long as the ball is round, anything can happen. Yeah, I mean, he did. He also says the funny old game. He was right about that too. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm, I'm like, you know, it's it's you got to hold on to that dream. You've got it. Like, if you were going to write a story, um, this is this is how it will go. It would be the Liverpool connection getting us over the line. It would be dramatic last day drama. That's let's, let's just see how it goes. It's an amazing achievement that Liverpool are there to the death, considering the deficit was 14 points at one stage. And now it's one, and we're going into the last day of the season. And that is a remarkable achievement in and of itself. And let's have a look at what is ahead of us, because obviously we're not going to talk about the Champions League final today, because that is next week's show, and it's all it's all going to be about the Champions League final, because of course it is. We have, on our for our last uh, outing of the season, we have a game against Wolves. It's at Anfield, it's at four o'clock on Sunday. And if we're just to have a look like I did with uh, the um, Villa team, uh, what Wolves have been doing, they had a one-all with Norwich on Sunday. Um, They got absolutely spanked by City 5-1. They had a credible 2-2 draw with Chelsea. Um, Brighton beat them 3-0, which is a bit of a head-scratcher. Burnley beat them 1-0, which is also a head-scratcher. Newcastle beat them 1-0 before that, and you've got to go back to April the 2nd, where they beat Aston Villa. So it's to say it's a mixed bag is ridiculous. Before that, they, they, they lost 3-2 to, to, uh, to, to Leeds, uh, and before that, they beat Everton 1-zip. So they are almost in exactly the same state as the uh, the previous team that we've just been talking about. A hugely mixed bag, some terribly disappointing results in there, and a couple of semi-creditable ones, but not enough. Um, and I don't, again, know really whether they're going to have enough uh, to do huge amounts of damage to us, or I don't know whether they're going to have enough motivation to do that, because, again, we take a quick look at the Premier League table, and they're in eighth spot, so they're doing considerably better than Villa, if we're being honest, on fifty-six po- on sorry, fifty-one points. But they haven't a breeze of breaking into the European places. It can't happen, even if they win the game. So again, you know, it's kind of on the beach, and you'd wonder, would the manager say this might be a time to, you know, give a really promising kid a go or? That type of thing, because yeah, I, I understand uh, there is a couple of um, um, what do you call it? There's a, more than a few bob involved for where you finish in terms of your league position in the Premier League. And Leicester, I think, have two games and they could overhaul them. They're three points behind. That may be a consideration going into the last day. But if that's all you got to play for, I don't know if it's really enough motivation-wise. What do you make of Wolves and the challenge that they're going to fate, uh, pose us? Bear in mind, Jan, that we've got Virgil, who's uh, recuperating, Mo, who's recuperating, and Fab, who's recuperating. You'd be surprised. Well, you, well, I don't think we're going to see Fab, but you'd be surprised to see either of the other two. So we won't be full strength uh, regardless. What do you make of this challenge that's ahead of us uh, on the last day of the season? I mean, I'm not necessarily a big fan of saying a team is on the beach. But when they drew 2-2 at Chelsea a couple of weeks ago, Conor Cody came out after the game and said, you know, we heard some people accusing of us being on the beach. 
and that really upset us. Hence the reason that they produced that 2-2 at Chelsea. But since then, they've lost 5-1. And if, 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 if you're not on the beach, then you beat Norwich. Everybody beats Norwich these days, you know what I mean? And, and Wolves couldn't do it at home. So, no, I think they lack some real motivation. And I can't see them. I can't see them finding any motivation for winning the game at Anfield. Uh, they're struggling to score goals. Uh, where, where, where I live, Trevor, it's, it's quite an easy run down the A4 to one to Wolverhampton. We've got quite a few Wolverhampton season ticket holders in the village. And when we signed Schotter, they were saying we got the wrong one. We should have signed Howell Jimenez, you know what I mean? Who can't hit a bando at the moment? So, you know, Bulls. I'm not as... You know, people talk about Ruben Nevers and whatever. I'm not convinced he's top, top draw. So, no, I can't see where they get the motivation from. Uh, they obviously play with, a, with with three centre-halves. They've got a really good goalkeeper. But even without the players that... And Dyke and Salah, I don't know whether they'll be involved or not. But this this is kind of one of them games, Trevor, where where I think we, we might just run up a bit of a 3-4-5-0 score. You know what I mean? I can, I can, I can see us just our energy, you know. Uh, just be too much for for a team that has zero motivation. Is there uh, an argument, Jan, for us trying to do that anyway, rather than perhaps taking our foot off anyone's throat because of what it will do in terms of momentum um, um, ahead of the following weekend, where we have a massive, the massive, the biggest game in the world, actually, never mind Europe. Uh, in the Champions League final against, you know, really the perfect opposition for a Champions League final, Real Madrid. So, I mean, is there an argument to be made that, you know, it should be actually a, a focus of ours, not just to get through with the win and then just see what happens? Because we know the the, the, the goal difference thing is, is, is a non-factor, really, unless some, some daft, daft scores happen. So... Is, is, there, is there a real argument for, you know, going for it and, 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 and working out all those, uh, you know, kinks and, and, and getting, la- getting uh, minutes into lads' legs that we're going to need and doing our damnedest to, to have an impressive day on the last day of the season so we can celebrate with our fans regardless and head into that Real Madrid thing? Or is it really a business-like thing in your, in your opinion where, look, there is a potential league win here. So you have to be professional first and foremost and get the win and maybe be cagey if needs be. How do you look at that in in, in terms of the approach that Klopp might take? I've done both, Trevor. I've played and I've been a manager. And I've played in games where nobody cares whether you win or lose until you lose. And it was the same when I was a manager. I put out teams where I couldn't care until we don't win the game. Because the, the games you don't win, you spend 24 to 48 hours getting over that. You know, as a manager, if we don't beat Wolves and even if Klopp has picked what some people will, will, will see as a, as, a, as, a, as a lesser team, he'll still be pissed off. So, no, the idea is always to win because it creates a much better atmosphere. It's much easier to move on to the next day. Because when you don't win games, there is an atmosphere. An atmosphere creeps in. And so, for that reason, that reason only, let's win the game. And let's 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 give them a bit of a hiding, so we then prepare for for, for for Paris in the right mood, without having to spend 24 hours or 48 hours looking at things and looking over our shoulder and knowing that the manager might be in a bit of a, he might be pissed off, you know what I mean, because we didn't do what he expected us to do on on Sundays. And so no, there's only one way of doing these things, Trevor, and that's keep giving as much as you can, 
Um, I mean, if you look back at, at, at Fabinho and his injury, I don't know if we mentioned the other weekend, but he kind of wasn't up to the match tempo against Aston Villa. Hence the reason he finds himself in a position where he has to react in the way he didn't expect. Bang, the next thing you have a soft tissue injury. And so there's only one way, one way of doing it. That's flat to the board. Flat to the board, yeah. And, and, and sort of, you know, not devil may care, but you have to take those risks and you have the chance that perhaps someone will pull up and you might be left uh, short a key player for this massive game at the end of the season. Like, again, it's a weird, weird situation. And it's not something, we know this for a fact, it's not something that anybody else can relate to because no club has been in this position before. No club has gone into the last game of the season with a chance to win the league with two cups in the bag and with the biggest cup of all still on the table and available to win the week later. And when you put that sentence out there into the world, you have to kind of stop. And I think we're maybe a little bit guilty, not us necessarily in this show, but as a group of almost not fully appreciating how mad that is. That's mental. Yeah, no, absolutely. It is, it, it is absolutely incredible. And that's the reason that, you know, over the last couple of weeks or couple of months, where City feel a bit overlooked, uh, because when we've been talking about trophies and whatever, when you've been talking about, we haven't specifically been talking about winning the Premier League just that we, we've always, when we mentioned Liverpool, always been talking about winning four trophies. So City's only possibility of winning the Premier League will always be overshadowed by that, shadowed by that, you know what I mean? Because you, you're always going to have a Liverpool could win all four, whereas City, can only win one now, isn't it? So it was always a bigger talking point, isn't it? So yeah, the fact that we're still there, uh, incredible, absolutely incredible. So I, I have a feeling on Sunday uh, that we, we we will get to a stage during the game where we're top of the league, you know, where they might still be at nil nil and 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 we're ahead against against Wolverhampton. So all that will, of course, add a bit of pressure uh, to the Etihad. I mean, you'd love to think that it's alive and it's possible because it is alive and possible and you'd love to think that there's a solid chance who knows we can't really rate that but we are getting to the stage of the show where listen there's no point in us talking anymore really about anything uh because the champions league final is going to be champions league final that deserves a show to itself it'll have it next week when you and i get together and we might see if we can do it a bit earlier just so that the show is a time to sort of breathe in advance but there's only really one show in town, and that's see if we can achieve our end of the bargain here on Sunday and then see what happens. I'm not going to ask you to predict the Man City result because, honestly, they're going to do what they're going to do, and, you know, we've talked it through. But as ever, I do have to get a feel from you, even if we are, like I say, finishing up a little bit early, who the hell cares? How do you feel it's going to go for us on, uh, against Wolves? I think you've pretty much already said, but just to, to clarify. Well, I think often uh, a, a team that has nothing to, to play for and the kind of team that, that they are Wolves, I, I think they I think they want to play the game at their own tempo, at their own lesser tempo, with the three centre arms at the back, passing out from the back, passing into the two midfield players and Nevers and Moutinho and, and just move the ball around. And I think that's where we ain't we ain't playing that game, you know. We're, 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 our energy and our pressing will upset that, and because of that, I, I just think that we're going to be coming at them so often, where in situations where they can't recover, 
from having made mistakes, uh, building up from the back or not quite being at the tempo. So before I said three, four, five, I'm going to go in the middle. I think we'll beat them four nil. Do you see Mo Salah being part of that? That's a good question, Ian. I mean, Klopp did say that he felt that Virgil van Dijk and him would be available and involved real against Wolverhampton. I'm not convinced. Uh, I thought Schotter had one of his better games at uh, Southampton. Uh, Diaz will play, Marnie will play, so I'm not 100% convinced. And Virgil van Dijk just doesn't make any sense uh, to, to play him. Uh, also because we don't quite know how bad Joe Gomez is, but we've got the other two centre-halves, isn't so. Mo Salah on the bench. I, I, one goal ahead of Son, top scorer. I, I don't know how the... I mean, back in back in our day, that, that wouldn't even be considered, you know what I mean? But I don't know how much that plays or whether Mo is going, you know, I might need another goal to keep Son off because they've got Norris away, haven't they? Spurs, <laughs> so... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, Trevor. I mean, how do you think that's? Yeah, of course, it's important. Is I don't know. Is that important that most Salah is the top scorer? I guess if it's important to him, yeah, it's important to us, right? Because you know, yeah. if his, if his, if and his I think it is like, important to him. Yeah, I think it is too. I think it is too. Yeah. Which is why I fancy he'll start on the bench. But I can see if the game's going well, I can see him coming on, and hopefully. Uh, you know, we'll all be watching that part of the game through through our fingers and hoping that um, everything goes well. There's no avoiding, as you said recently, when your team is doing well, there is no avoiding stress. So enjoy the stress for one last occasion in the Premier League uh, this weekend, folks. Uh, and uh, hopefully uh, listening to Jan has talked you down off a couple of ledges because it has with me, as it always does. So for yet another show where we go around the houses, Jan, thanks very much. It's a point well made, Trevor, isn't it? You know, it's it's no good going, I can't cope. Yeah, this is what you want, isn't it? This is exactly what you've been begging for for years, isn't it? So find a way of, of getting on with it and, and, and if you can enjoy it. But, but you will enjoy it, won't you? Once the games are over, it's, it, it's an amazing feeling, isn't it? That's it. Put on your big boy pants and uh, and get yourself ready because uh, hopefully we'll be jumping around on Sunday. And I swear to God, man, if, if it goes the, the way we want it to go, you'd be... Uh, you'd be very, very tempted to just uh, do multiple shows about that alone because what what an achievement that would be. Look, let's see how it pans out. One way or the other, myself and Jan will be back with you next week for the last Moby on the Spot of the season to talk about the small matter. Uh, Jürgen got into trouble for saying off the Champions League final. But for this week, you heard Jan Moby, Guy Drinkle was producing. I've been Trev Danny and we'll speak to you very soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.